Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together we're the minimalists. Ryan, we all want to be appreciated, accepted, Mm -hmm. acknowledged, but instead we are often misunderstood and even offended because of poor communication. Mm. In fact, a lack of communication is the biggest reason friendships, businesses, marriages, and even our personal goals fail. This week on the public podcast... We're talking about, we're speaking with Vanessa Van Edwards about, well, communication cues. You know, those tiny little signals that we send through our body language, facial expressions, and word choices, our vocal inflections. And then this Thursday on the Minimalist Private Podcast, we'll discuss the power of silence, whether confidence and charisma are innate, the best way to have tough conversations with coworkers, friends, and family, and how to create meaningful connections that last. Mm. You can check that out at patreon.com slash The Minimalist. Your support keeps our YouTube channel and our podcast 100% advertisement-free because advertisements suck. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Vanessa, thank you so much for being yeah. here. Oh, thanks for having me. Let's oh. communicate. Yes, let's, let's communicate. get into it. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about communication cues uh, today. Your new book, by the way, is called Cues. I'll hold it up if you're watching the YouTube channel. Oh, thank you. We're going to dive into this book. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed learning more. When I first picked it up, I'm like, okay, what can I possibly learn about communication? I'm clearly an expert communicator. <laughs> <laughs> and then I learned it very quickly, like, oh, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Uh, It really shined a light on my understanding of what I do well, what I do horribly, Mm -hmm. why I do some of these things well, Mm -hmm. other things that I could improve significantly Mm -hmm. just through some minor tweaks. So ours is a listener-driven show. I thought we'd dive into some of our listener questions. Let's start with uh, Catherine over on Facebook. I feel chronically misunderstood, like I'm speaking a different language to people. How do I overcome this? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I so relate to this. So I think that when we talk about cues, we don't realize that there's this hidden language that's being spoken. So we speak our verbal language, but actually when we think about cues, so cues are the social signals we send to each other. Mm-hmm. We are sending hundreds, if not thousands a day. The problem is we tend to focus all on our verbal We think about the perfect answer, the perfect script. We practice a witty story and we wonder why we're not getting a good date or why we're we're misunderstood, why we get a no after we wish we had a yes. So actually there are four different channels for cues. Verbal, nonverbal, so that's our body language, our facial expressions, our gestures, our posture. Mm. That's actually 60 to 90% of our communication. Wow. 60 to 90%. Just that's the majority. Two. Just just nonverbal. Oh, wow. Okay. Just nonverbal. Wow. And then we have vocal. That's my favorite. So that's how we say our words, our volume, our pace, our cadence. Researchers find that we decide how confident someone is within 500 milliseconds of hearing them. 
there's like hidden cues. We can talk about what those are, what, why we think of some voices as confident and some mm -hmm. as not. Mm -hmm. And the last one is imagery. So the colors we wear, uh, the fonts we use, the props that we carry. So for this lovely question, I think what can happen is we're focusing too much on one channel. Mm -hmm. We're thinking all about our words and we think we have the perfect words. We don't know why they're not being adopted. The problem is if we don't have congruence. So if I were to come on the podcast and say, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> right? You're like, nah, uh, <laughs> she, ain't, she ain't that she excited ain't that to be here. Yeah. Right? So my word said one thing, but there is no way that you believe the verbal. Why? Mm -hmm. We give more weight to the other channels. Wow. And that's because it's harder to lie with the other channels. We know it's easy to write the perfect, to say the perfect thing. And so what we're looking for, the reason why I think people are misunderstood, and this was me, is that we're saying one thing, but our body is showing another. Wow. We're saying one thing, but our vocal cues are saying another. So what I hear you saying is the words we use is, is the least yes. of the cues yes. that Be people are picking up on. Yes. So, and, and this is really hard because especially now we're verbally communicating more than ever. Mm. Right. Our first impression is often our LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. We're chatting, we're texting, we're slacking, we're emailing. It's so much written communication that we we trick ourselves into thinking that's all that matters. But actually now more than ever, we're listening for cues. We're looking for cues. Mm -hmm. So I'll give a really quick example on vocal, because vocal is my favorite. So this 500 milliseconds study blew my mind. I was like, what? Like, what are we listening for? So what can happen is when we're anxious, we hold our breath. <gasps> And we speak at the top of our breath. Mm. And you can actually hear that that sounds a little bit anxious. Mm. So what happens is people hop on a video call or hop on a phone call or hop on a podcast. They say, hello, all the way up here. And that's really hard to listen to. Yeah. And that is because we don't want to catch the anxiety. So the first aspect is our cues are saying something to the world. Our cues are telling the world how they should treat us. But the second thing is your cues are contagious. Mm. If you show up as slightly anxious, as slightly stressed, as slightly fearful, you are sending those cues in your voice, your body, your gesture, and people are catching them. So when I say, hello, all the way up here, people go, I don't want to catch that anxiety. Mm. I don't want to listen to it. Mm. Versus if I speak on the out breath, so now I'm going to do the opposite. So really confident people, they relax their vocal cords and they speak on the out breath. So here's anxious. Hello. Here's not anxious. Hello. Same person sounds totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. In Alabama, she does a lot of voiceover work. That's why we—not well, the only reason we have her on the podcast. It's a very <laughs> fortunate opportunity for us to have her on the podcast. Well, show off her talents, but mm -hmm. she could be anyone mm -hmm. because she understands these vocal cues better yes. than just about anyone. And however. If we're just using our words, I think it's one of the reasons, getting back to Catherine's question, we feel misunderstood is sometimes we're using the perfect words via a text message, mm -hmm. but the other person is reading into them mm. differently. Yes. Now, there's also, it's it's appropriate to say there are different dialects that people speak as well. There's sort of a text message dialect, which is often different from if I were writing an essay. Yes. The dialect in yes. that is going to be different. So maybe you can talk about the different ways in which we're misunderstood. Okay, I love it. So when we look at very highly charismatic people, and I'm I'm an awkward person, I'm a recovering awkward person, so I'm-, <laughs> I'm You and me both. <laughs> right, that's, I think we instantly bonded over that. So I'm, I get social anxiety, I'm super awkward, I'm a social overthinker, so like I lay in bed at night just like overplaying, replaying every conversation in my head, which is why I learned cues, is it helped, it helped mm. calm me down. Um, and so when I was studying charismatic people, research is quite clear on this, that highly charismatic people, what 
what they are signaling, their cues, are warmth and competence. Mm. They are highly trustworthy, highly warm, but at the very same time, they're capable and efficient and productive. Mm. So when we talk about words and being misunderstood, even in a text message, we are trying to suss out someone's warmth and competence. Mm. So we did a study in our lab where we had people come into our lab. And by the way, we didn't warn them this was happening. So uh, they were a little bit surprised. We had them take a warmth and competence diagnostic. So we figured out where they were in warmth and competence. And then we asked to see their recent text messages. Mm. And we counted the number of warm words versus competent words. Mm. So warm words are things like whoop, yay, fab, wow, right? Yeah. Emojis are highly warm. Exclamation points are highly warm. Okay. Com- and warm words also make you feel the warm and fuzzies. So they're like happy, best, both, together, collaborate, open. Yeah. Those are all warm words. We like, mm. Mm, those make us feel really good. Competent words are, want us to get it done. That's a word like productive, efficient, brainstorm, power through, get ready, push through. Those words, goal, achieve, master, success. Like when you hear those words, you're like, yeah, I want to get it done. And numbers, graphs, charts, prices, numbers. Mm. So we looked at their text messages and we could predict exactly where they fell on the charisma scale based on the kind of verbal cues they were using. So what can happen is you want to come across a certain way, right, in a text message. So you're using all these verbal cues that you think are coming across one way, but actually if you're using a ton of warmth, you're missing your competence. Yes. People aren't taking you seriously. Mm. So the problem is we're misunderstood when we are too high. There's an imbalance in our warmth and competence. If someone's highly warm, they're seen as open and collaborative, trustworthy, but not so smart. Mm. Not taken seriously. They're interrupted. They're ignored. Mm. They're like, oh, I want to hang out with you, but I don't want your advice. Uh, yeah. On the other side, you have highly competent folks. And these are like brilliant technical people who are using lots of competence. Their ideas are really solid. They have really strong ideas. But without warmth, they leave people feeling suspicious. Mm. And that's actually right from the research that highly competent people, brilliant people who don't have enough warmth, leave people doubting their competence. Mm. So they're coming across as super high competence. People say, oh, they're cold. Mm-hmm. They're intimidating. Yeah. Hard to talk to. Mm. Mm, I can't I can't quite bond with them. And so they are misunderstood because they're just sending an imbalance of those cues. So it's like, yeah, I want to get a, I want to get advice from you. I'll, I'll call you when I need a graph. But other than that, like uh, we probably <laughs> won't hang out too much. Smiley face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because... Um, Melbourne used to use like no exclamation marks, no emojis. Isn't it funny? We were yes. around when emojis were invented, which is like, oh, I know, we're so old. But anyway, so, you know, I, had, <laughs> I, I remember when like a trio was like the coolest phone. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, the trio, yeah, oh, yeah. the Palm Pilot the trio. Palm Pilot. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I had like a little stylus, and I'd be like, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. Oh, it still is cool. Wait, no, no, it's no. Not. Oh man. So, so, so are well, you an emoji? Are you emoji? I'm, I'm definitely emoji. more emoji, and he's definitely more comp. So I'm more warm. He's more competent. Yeah, but I think so we're, in the book, she she goes through like these examples of like Bert and Ernie <laughs> and uh, yes. Sherlock Holmes I'm, and, and I'm Bert. So I'm Bert, you're Ernie. Wozniak and Jobs. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. Warm, competent pairs are perfection. You guys are the perfect, oh, perfect keep pair. Keep going. Yeah, no, it's perfect. <laughs> I have a question for you. So you're not a huge emoji exclamation well, point. Well, he's changed it over a while, uh, over feel, time. Was it physically painful for you to put those exclamation points in? Yeah, because I, I believe in order. <laughs> no. yeah, and, and it... You know, so I teach a writing class at howtowritebetter.org, by the way, if you're interested. <laughs> but I, um, 
I teach a writing class and often, you know, what I talk to students about is if you use the words that they do communicate many of these things. And so mm-hmm. finding precision in words. However, what I've learned is that it's courteous to also speak other people's dialect. There you go. Mm. And that dialect often includes emojis. So I'm not proactive with emojis typically, <laughs> right. but if I'm interacting with someone else who tends to use emojis, yeah. then it is polite. It actually yes. would be rude if I didn't. That's, That's right. so funny. So you right. you use emojis to be Polite. Uh, polite. I use emojis because I want people to n- know that, like, I'm competent, but hey, I'm not that competent. Or take me seriously, but don't take me too seriously. Maybe that's a better way or, of saying or it. Or it's, it's, it's you saying, I want you to rely on me, but I also want you to like me. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. it. Yeah, right? that's so the nail. Competence is about reliance. Mm-hmm. It's saying, I can get what I say done, and you can rely on what I say warmth is about, I want you to like what I say. Mm. So I think that you have this natural instinct, which is I'm going to add this emoji so that people rely on me, but also like me. Yes. Because what do we want to do? Who do we want to be around people who we rely and like? A next level tips, you're doing an amazing precision of word is my fem. Yes, he is. <laughs> so it's not only ma- mirroring and matching. So if you're with someone who's highly warm, dialing up your exclamation points, dialing up your emojis, but next level is mirroring the kind of emoji they do. Right. So this is like the advanced level where if I see someone do a smiley face with like a colon, a dash and a parentheses, you know what I'm saying? Uh Right. I will do a colon, a dash parentheses. But if I see someone who has an equal sign in a parentheses, I'm going to use an equal sign in parentheses. (laughs) But that's my way of nonverbally respecting them. That's great. Right. Right. And it can come off, though, sometimes as disingenuous if we are strictly mirroring the other person. Of course. Sure. So we have to be careful with that. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to be polite. Yeah. It's like if I know Spanish and I walk into a restaurant that speaks Spanish mm-hmm. and I don't speak Spanish, it's rude, right? Sure. Yeah. Now, I may not be fluent in Spanish, and so then it would also be rude if I just pretended that I you know, started... <laughs> Saying some syllables <laughs> yes. that right. mimicked yes. what I heard. Yes, yes, I've made that mistake. Oh, when, dear. Yeah, well, you walk in, you're <laughs> oh, like, dear. hola, yo, como sound like? And then they're like, oh, bien. And then they go into Spanish. I was like, that's all I know about Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, how are you? And where's the bathroom? And give me a beer. Yeah, and all I know is the laughing, crying emoji. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is old, right? Yeah. We're not supposed to use that one anymore. I, well, I, I don't. I don't know the rules, but oh, thankfully, really, Talk there about are this. no rules. Yeah, there are no <laughs> I rules. Know. Uh, a young but person Vanessa told me I was old. <laughs> I, I, no, a young person said you don't use that one anymore. You don't use the laughing and crying. No, that's anymore. too old. I was told by oh. a Gen Zer, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, well, let's turn on to our Gen Zers over here, yeah, Alabama. I'm a millennial. No, you're not. <laughs> yes, Stop it. <laughs> Yeah, Danny. Danny's a Gen Zer. Yeah, yeah. He's saying so he's okay. saying no. Yeah, we have his approval. So I yeah. I like the the emoji with the little um like glass. You know, what is spyglass? What is yeah. this thing yeah. called? You mean Monocle. the pretentious Monocle. emoji? I, no, it's just <laughs> kidding. It's the, the Mr. Peanut emoji. Kidding. Thinking, that's like my favorite. I have an eyeglass. <laughs> yeah, because like when am I ever gonna have an eyeglass? But my emoji right, can. Right, right. Oh, we've gotten real off track, guys. Well, that's my wife will flirt with me by sending me the devil emoji. Oh. Yeah, the little purple devil oh, like, with the mm, horns. Yeah. Like naughty. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I think we just learned a lot about you. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, thanks for your question. Yes. <laughs> Aiden has a question from Patreon. 
How can you tell whether a person clearly isn't listening to you and is just generating their rebuttal while you are still speaking? Mm. Oh, man. Okay, so let's talk about how we process. So remember that when we're with someone, we're sending hundreds of these cues back and forth. So our brain is processing a lot. It's processing the verbal information. It's trying to suss out nonverbal. It's trying to listen for vocal cues. And of course, you're trying to think of your great answer. Mm. So you know that someone's processing what you are saying if they're trying to take in your cues. If they're making eye contact, if they're looking at body language, if they're looking at gestures, that means they're trying to process all the cues being sent to them. When someone is processing something else, we typically look up and away. So for example, we do a little experiment right now. Mm-hmm. You want to do some math? Sure. Okay. Sure. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 10 times 10. Yeah. Plus 40. Minus six yeah. divided by two. Okay, so you're looking yeah, up. Yeah, I automatically go look. That's where my calculator is. Right, your calculator's up. Yeah. <laughs> so most people's calculator, I don't know the answer. Do you know the answer to that? I, I, lo- I, I lost it divided by 40. 134. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that, is, so, so far, you sound like you're going to keep going. No, I was, yeah. I, was just, I was just trying to see if you were going to look away. Because yeah. when pe- you ask people to process something complicated, mm. they will almost always look away. Yeah. Mm. And that is because socializing, if we're making eye contact, we're producing oxytocin. Mm. And so our bodies focus on connection. If I ask you a hard, intellectual question, your brain goes, stop connecting and try to think of the answer. Mm. So you know when someone is not listening to you. Mm. If they are looking up or away, they're probably trying to process some answer they're coming up with. That's it. That makes sense. You know, I do, I look away, like right now, I'm looking away. When I'm trying to like gather a thought, Yes. if I'm looking at someone's cues, it distracts from 100%. the train of thought that I have. So I often, like when I have something to say, I'm not looking yes. at someone. Now, when I'm trying to be genuine, I'll look at someone in the eye. Like yeah. I go out of my way to be like, hey, this is me. I want you to see me. I don't want you to hear me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I'm trying to process a thought, like I'm always looking away. So for sure. if we talk about eye contact for a second, I think there's a misconception. There's two misconceptions about eye contact that I would love to bust if we can bust them. Yeah. Good, because I have trouble with eye contact. Oh, do you? Serious trouble. What's your trouble? I just can't talk to someone and also so maintain eye, eye contact. contact. Uh, okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. So that is because when the reason we make eye contact as humans is because we're trying to make oxytocin. Oxytocin does a lot of things in our bodies. So just simplified for us, it's the chemical of connection. Mm. It's what makes us feel like, mm, I really like this person. Oh my God. That's how I felt when I was on pain pills. <laughs> it makes yes. so much sense. <laughs> yes. And they also give oxytocin to women in labor. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like in intense doses, it's like the ultimate kind of- The ultimate. Uh, Man, like we are just like, we're vibing, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. you're like on the same page as someone, when you're clicking with someone, that's oxyto- oxytocin. Mm. And our body is smart enough. It goes, hmm, if we're close enough to make eye contact- I guess I better produce oxytocin. So we produce that chemical. The problem is it makes it very hard to think. So when we're making eye contact, our body's like, okay, oxytocin, oxytocin. That makes us feel connected. But it's really hard to then think of what your point is, what you're processing. So actually the sweet spot for eye contact is not 100%. And that is a myth. So many people are told make Mm. 100% eye contact. Yeah, but then you look like Osho. And it's so just, creepy. Yes. Yeah. You're like being, and so that's creepy. So actually don't go after 100%. You should mm. let yourself process. That actually makes you a much better conversationalist. The sweet spot is about 60 to 70% of your conversation. You should be making eye contact. Okay. Yeah, have you heard about Terry Gross? That she she does Fresh Air, the radio yeah, show. Yeah, I know. She even when she brings someone in studio, they're in separate studios <gasps> really? because she feels as though she can't think. Yes, and therefore it degrades the product she's creating. So. Yes. They'll be in the next room over there. You, we've done these sort of radio interviews yes. where it's, yeah. it's remote, but even when you're in person with her, it's you're remote. Still remote. Yeah. Yes. And it's because I think the eye contact probably yes. screws her up a bit. And mm. that's okay. So I think that what we have to realize is if you're pitching 
or you're presenting a really important idea and you want to really deliver, don't worry about the eye contact. Mm. I would rather you focus on wherever you want to look to get your point out there. The yeah. eye contact is less important. If you're on a date, you're trying to bond, okay, that's when eye contact is far more important than whatever spiel you're coming up with in your head. Mm. Yeah. So you can kind of prioritize where it is. The second myth about eye contact is, I don't know how, but a couple of years ago, there was some article that came out that when you look up to the left, you're lying. Yeah. When you look up to the right, you're remembering or something like yeah. that. Okay. Remember this? I, I, I yeah. remember this, yes. Okay, and everyone thinks, no. There's oh, I no, must lie a lot then. Exactly, there's <laughs> yeah. no research to prove it. So what happens is yeah. people read that silly article and then when you're processing, people go, oh, he must be lying. Right, yeah. It is just processing. There's a lot of lying cues we could talk about, but that's not one of them. Yeah, I, I forgot, I forget when I read that article, but I remember it was, you know, a week, two weeks, two months, whatever. Like I was like, don't do this up into the left thing. <laughs> yes, and then what yes. just would screw me up even more when and I'm talking like, uh, to someone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, not lying. Close your eyes as <laughs> right. you're, all right, um, welcome <laughs> to the podcast, Vanessa. Yeah. Now in, in the book, you actually talk about uh, RBF, resting oh, yes. bothered face, as mm. you call it. I had, in to, I had the, to just clear out the curse oh, word. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a great, uh, yeah. Okay, so amendment. resting bothered face. I have this affliction. Does anyone else have this? My wife no. does. <laughs> call, her out. call her out on it. No, she knows she doesn't. And in mm. fact, she uh, she's the one who brought it up to me and I'm like, I don't know. I love her so much. It's almost the, the, as though I don't see it. Yeah. But she has mentioned how like sometimes she doesn't realize yeah. how that can come off to other people. And mm. you talk about there being three components, anger, sadness, contempt. Can we yes. talk about that? A bit? Yes. Okay. So what we're talking about is how our face, uh, some universal facial expressions. So our face has over 10,000 different muscles, our face and neck. Mm. So there's a lot of different facial expressions that we can make. But what Dr. Paul Ekman has found is that there's some universal expressions across cultures. So let's talk about anger. So anger, we're really angry. Um, we pull our eyebrows down so these two vertical lines appear. We harden our lower lids and we often tense our lips or our jaw. So when that happens, that shows that they've actually shown that that anger face makes us look stronger. Like it makes our jaw puff out and it mm. makes our forehead go down, which makes us look stronger. That's why we make that face. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So at resting, resting bothered face mm -hmm. is when people at rest are accidentally activating the anger muscles. So when people are concentrating and they're accidentally activating those eyebrows and hardening their lower lids because they're concentrating, it looks a little bit like anger. And people think, oh, she's really irritated, uh... right? So two choices here. One is you should be aware of what your resting face looks like. Are you resting with these with your eyebrows hardened? Are you resting with your jaw clenched? It might be accidentally signaling anger. Mm. What you can do is tell people that, hey, I'm not angry. That's just my resting face, yeah, right? right? The other option you have, and this is, a, I'm going to give a crazy option here. Mm. There is some research that has found that anger management can be changed with Botox, that people are Botoxing this part of their face because it actually makes them feel less angry. It makes them look, look less angry. Man, oh, wow. I've been looking for a reason to get Botox. <laughs> there you go. Just well, you don't even have resting bothered face. <laughs> now, not I'm, not, I'm not actually recommending Botox, but no. I just, I share that as an example of that yeah. you can also focus on relaxing that part of your face. I wonder if like facial exercises or something could like. Oh, I'm sure that yeah, facial yoga could some, do it. Yeah. So I have resting sadness face. So oh. sadness, I know. And people always think I'm down or sad or What's upset. Wrong? You know, What's are you, wrong? People say, are you okay? Ugh. I'm like, I'm fine. It's just my face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it's not what me, I it's say. my face. That's yeah. literally oh, what I say. And then everyone laughs and it's totally fine. So sadness is one of the universal expressions. Sadness is a down expression. It's when mm. your whole face goes down. So your um, the corners of your lips point down into a frown. So real sadness, your lower lip puffs out and you pull your mouth down to a frown. If you try it, you'll actually begin to feel sad. Yeah, I'm good. Mm. 
be like, you want to go, yeah. mm, right? I don't feel the same joy. Right. No, yeah. no, it's actually imp- almost impossible to feel joy in that expression. Uh. So my the corners of my mouth point downward, just at rest. Mm. So because of that, it looks more like a frown. And also mm. my eyelids slant downwards. That's mm. why I use uh, eyeliner. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> it looks it, great. Th- it makes it go up mm-hmm. because otherwise I look sad. Oh. So this is a really important know about yourself because then you can see what are people defaulting to you on a video call, on a phone call? What do you look like when you're listening? Mm. Right? So I work extra hard on video calls to say, oh, I'm super into it. I use warmth cues. I use nodding mm. to make up for the fact that I know I have a resting sad face. Mm. Yeah. Now, I will say this, getting back to Aiden's question here. Knowing there are two ways that I tend to know that someone is not paying attention to me. They're not listening to Mm. what I'm saying. The first thing is they're on their phone. (laughs) Well, that's a good one. And it happens all the time, way more frequently now. Did you see the visual cue he just gave me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the the second one is their phone is on the table between us. 100%. And what that does is it puts up a force field between me and them. And what it's saying is you're the most important person to me in the room. Unless anyone else comes <laughs> and interrupts me digitally. Yeah. Mm. And then you're the least in person. So this is fubbing, person. right? It's called fubbing. Uh-huh. It's like phone snubbing. Can I give you a little my favorite uh, tip? So I also do not like to be fubbed. I don't yeah. like when someone's on their phone. So what I do, so there's two little tips, little cues you can use if you don't, if you're being fubbed. So the first is if someone checks their phone, stop talking and look at their phone. Mm. As if you want to check it too. Yeah. And you can literally even say, all good? Yeah. All yeah. good? Yeah. Oh, I'll wait. Yeah. That's what Josh usually tells me. He's like, I'll wait, man. Yeah, I'll wait. Yeah. But it's usually when I have my phone out and I'm in the middle of something and he starts to talk to me and I'm like, okay, like, let me finish this one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But that's okay. Yes. Okay. So look at it, look at the phone, stop talking and say, all good. Yeah. All good. Yeah. The other thing that can happen is people look over your head. So the other way that to answer the question that you know someone's not listening to you if, if they're overhead gazing, so they're looking around the restaurant, around their party to see if yeah. there's someone better to talk to. Oh, wow. That's that probably my most like annoying or most biggest pet peeve when it comes to someone not paying attention to me. Like they're looking everywhere, but at but you. you. Yes. Okay. So that means that their brain is kind of scoping the room. So here's what I want you to do if that ever happens to you. If someone begins to overhead gaze with you, I want you to turn around and look. Yes. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and every time they do it, look baffled and then just look. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like what's, yeah. What's because they on? don't realize that they're doing it to you. They think you're not noticing. Mm. So if you turn around and look behind you, you're literally saying, okay, we're not here. If we're over there, let's do it together. Yeah. Mm. Can I tell you one that Ryan does to me? I think he doesn't Uh realize it. Probably not. I I only realize it because we're such close friends. I think most people- Are you scared? What he's going to say? No, he's not. Okay, good. Okay, good. I'm scared. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? So if I I can tell he's not paying attention, if he says, yeah, about- Four times in a row? No, no. (laughs) If you say it about, I don't know, one tenth of a second too soon, Mm. or two tenths, three tenths of a second too soon, Uh I could tell he's he's just doing. But right there, that was a genuine yeah. 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 But like, no. (laughs) Yeah. There are other times where he's like, there's something else going on. He's like, yeah. Yeah. And and Mm. it's to like, it's almost as though, hurry up, or it is. I got it. Right. That's exactly what it. it is. I got it. That's, That's what, what it is. is. Yeah. But yeah. The, th- the thing is, he doesn't got it. <laughs> you just did it. You just did it. Well, I have this problem, and this is a me thing. And okay. you're right. I pro- probably the majority of the time don't get it. But my brain, my ADD brain is like, um, you can stop talking right now. We do not need to waste any more words. Hmm. Like, I understand what you're saying. Hmm. And I would, I would, it maybe it's 50-50. But yeah, you're right. Sometimes I say, yeah, and it's like, okay, maybe I don't get it. I do the same thing to Mariah, so don't feel bad. I don't. In fact, I used to think it was a Ryan problem, but now I realize it's a me problem. And here's why I say that. Hmm. It's a prison for me to need him to listen to me. 
I've put myself in a prison. I need my expectation is he will listen to me no matter what. Well, no. Why? Why, why do I deserve that? No, it's the, the truth is that he listens to me if I have something compelling enough for him to listen to. If I'm not compelling enough, then I might get the half a second early. Yeah. The dismissive. Yeah. As a result. OK, so can we talk about some of the cues here? Mm-hmm. All right. So. What we like as humans are vocalizations. That's what it's called. There's a difference between a yeah and a vocalization. So a vocalization is, mm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. oh, mm. ah. Yeah. Mm. We love that, right? <laughs> yeah. our, our, our brain goes, oh, they want me to keep going. Those are invitation cues. Like they're invitations for you to keep going. When someone says, yeah, we know, ah, oh, they've got it, be done. So, so there's that slight difference. And what I don't know if you noticed when you were Im- imitating that yeah, you also did a very fast nod. So okay. oftentimes a yeah or I got it mm-hmm. is partnered with a very fast nod. So we, we, we just happen to do that because what you're saying is, um, I got it. I'm taken care of. It's, it's done. So a nodding is a universal warmth cue. A slow nod means tell me more. Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm. uh-huh. They found that when spe- someone triple nods, a slow triple nod, the other person speaks 67% longer. So when you both gift me triple nods, I speak longer. That's awesome. But when someone does a fast nod, it means be quiet, I'm done. So watch the difference, okay? So if you want someone to keep talking on your show, do a slow triple nod. If you want them to be done and wrap it up, give them a fast one. So here's the difference. Uh-huh, 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 versus uh-huh, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling epileptic right now. Like, <laughs> how do I? Like, cause now I, I, I'm not because we're not conscious of all of these no. cues, well, right? We can be. Right. And we can be. But it, it's like you opened up a door. I did. And I lived in the Soviet Republic for so long. And now I'm in, in a Whole Foods. And I'm like overwhelmed by all of these cues that are everywhere around yes, me. I love that metaphor. Or like I say it's going from um, standard definition to HD. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's I like feel, all of a sudden you can see the pores. You're like, wow. Or or you take that analogy even farther with uh, Wizard of Oz, the the black and white to full color all of a sudden. Mm. And now I see all these things and it's going to take a while to adapt. But as I was reading the book and you're asking questions about confidence and and you're talking about this, you have a chart in there, in fact, of like the the confidence that you discussed. Confidence, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And um, what I realized is that, oh, yeah, I do many of these things sort of naturally or or I've been acculturated to do these Mm -hmm. things. And there are other things that I've almost like kept at arm's length that would improve my communication skills as a result. And this is why this, uh, this question to me, Aiden's question uh, about listening and on the maximal episode, we have another question about listening, but the other way, like, Hey, it's really hard for me to listen to other people. And so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that a bit on the maximal. I do want to move on to our callers here. Mm-hmm. Aiden, thanks for your question. Thanks for being a Patreon supporter, by the way, our callers, if you have a question, give us a call 406-219-7839 or email a voice memo to podcast at the minimalists.com. We have a question here today from Korea in uh, Berlin, Germany. I'm still in my teens and live with my parents and they have lots and lots of stuff. So there is a big contrast between their approach and mine. And recently, I think they seem to think I'm being too radical, I guess, um, because I've made some changes. I let go of so much stuff that I could get rid of an entire shelf in my room. I also had a pallet bed before, didn't like it, so now I'm sleeping on the floor and just to kind of see how it goes. And there's a lot of 
tension because I feel unwell um, since I'm forced to hold on to lots of things for school and because there's a big closet in my room, which I share with my mom. And they also are uh, talking about giving me things that I don't want when I move out next year. So like decorations and tableware and everything. And I don't really know how to deal with my family and find out what's working for me at the same time uh, because they just don't seem to get that I don't want to have as much stuff as they might. So, yeah, I don't really know how to uh, deal with that. So, Vanessa, this really does seem fundamentally like a communication problem. I know yeah. it's a it's really a communication problem that is disguised as a stuff problem. Yeah. We're the minimalists. We often talk about letting go of stuff. I wanted to discuss with you, though, the opening line to your book, I think, is a question that addresses this. So the open line to cues is, have you ever shared a great idea only to find that others didn't get it? Mm. And where we are with Korea right now is she has a great idea or something she perceived to be a great yeah. idea. And her parents just don't understand. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think this has to do with a very fundamental personality trait called openness. So when we look at personality science, one of the best research, that, some of the best research we have is that everyone across genders and cultures and races has this trait called openness. And people who are high in openness, they crave new. They crave change. They're very comfortable with change. In fact, they're more wired for dopamine response, mm. pleasure response when they try something new. So for high open people, they're like, yeah, try something, experiment, do it. For low open people, they're about habit, routine, and tradition. So low open people have less dopamine response, less chemical reward when something new happens. So for this caller, I love it because she is probably, I'm guessing, much higher in openness. She's trying something new. She wants to see how it goes. She's not sure. She's still figuring out. The, the line that she said was, I don't know how to deal with them while I'm still figuring it out. Mm. So here's what we have to understand is if you're talking to a low open person, you talking about new things is going to stress them out. Mm, amen. Yeah. Right? You're actually triggering their fear. A low open person will say things like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why fix something that works for me? Whereas a high open person thinks, if there's something new, maybe I'll discover something. So here's what you should do from a communication perspective. If you are a high open talking to a low open, you want to actually start with what isn't changing. For a low open person, they want to make sure you're still you. Mm. They want to make sure there's still some sort of habit and routine. So I think that there was briefly mention of the holidays, right? Like mm -hmm. having decorations. Okay, so here's what, how I would talk to parents who are low open. Hey, I am so excited for the holidays coming up. I can't wait to have our beautiful dinner. I can't wait to have everyone get together. I love that tradition. I am going to be trying something a little different. And we always minimize the change. A little different, you know, I'm, I'm actually not going to do decorations this year. My favorite part of the holiday is actually the dinner and the camaraderie and the singing and the sharing. The decorations don't really matter. So for me, I'm just going to take away that little piece of this tradition and, and maintain the stuff that really matters. As opposed to a high open person, you'd pitch the opposite. So if you had a high open parent, you'd say, guess what? I want to try something new. This is totally different. This is totally radical. I'm doing a minimalist experiment. So here's what I want to do this holiday. This holiday, we're going to go decoration free. 
We're going to see what happens with a decoration for your holiday. Will it still feel the same? Will you do the experiment with me? Two totally different approaches to the same kind of thing. Mm, That's beautiful. That is awesome. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And by the way, this works also in business too. So I think it's really important if you're, if you're pitching an idea, you have to think about the receiver, right? Like it's not just how you pitch the idea. It's how are they going to best receive this idea? Mm. So if you're in business and you know that you want to pitch, let's say a client on a new piece of software or a boss on a new idea for the company, a low open person, you want to start with what isn't changing, Mm. right? For a low open boss, they don't want to hear the new. They want to hear what isn't changing what is going to be easy? And then if you're going to have a change, you want to say, here's how small it is, but here's the impact it's going to have. Yeah. So for low open in business, you're pitching impact, 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 social proof, and routine. For a high open boss, you're talking about the bells and whistles, the razzle dazzle, the new, that it's a new experiment, a new project. It could change everything. Those are totally different ways to approach the same kind of idea. I love it. it if I had like a pithy answer for uh, Korea here, it would be, mm. To be understood by others, you must understand others. That's it. And that's really what you're giving her advice on is, hey, show your parents, like meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And here's how you meet them where they're at. And, and minimize the change, right? The change mm-hmm. is she's not saying that I'm a different person, mm-hmm. right? She's not saying I don't love you. She's not saying we're not going to relationship. She's just saying that the way that she's living is going to be a little different, mm-hmm. right? And so honoring what isn't changing can have actually a way to make them feel better. I think like the golden rule versus the platinum rule. Have mm. you heard this metaphor? Oh, yeah. You know, like the golden rule, treat others the way they would, the way that you would want to be treated. I actually don't love the golden rule. I like the platinum rule. The platinum rule is treat others the way they would want to be treated. Yeah. yeah. I think that's more powerful. Yeah, because ultimately that is a golden rule rule because I want to be treated the way I want to be treated. <laughs> right, exactly. So we're right back to it. Yeah, we're right back yeah, to yeah, it. Anyway, yes, yeah. yes. Korea, thanks That's for your good. question. We're going to send you a copy of Vanessa's book. It's Yay. called Cues. Also, I'd love for you to download our free minimalist rule book over at theminimalists.com slash resources. It's there on our resources page. There's 16 rules for living with less, but they're not real rules. They're boundaries. So mm. one of the ways that we can help communicate with other people is by being loving with our boundaries, setting up boundaries. Well, the only way you can do that is if you know what your boundaries are. And so we provide some boundaries in there for you as well. It's the Minimalist Rulebook, 16 Rules for Living with Less over at theminimalists.com. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions. You can text your comments. You can text your emojis to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Now, Vanessa, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I and our guests, we do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. (laughs) I'm not great at short. You can maunder on a bit. It's like a rap battle, Vanessa. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) What podcast Sean does is he tweezes out something pithy and beautiful. He puts it in the show notes so people can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if they like. Mm. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place. It's uh, minimal maxims Kay has a question for us. Why does nonverbal communication carry so much weight? Hmm. Short, right? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to lie with our nonverbal. We're very rehearsed at saying lies with our words, but it's really hard to lie with our gestures, our face, our posture. And so we believe it because it's usually more true. Mm, Yeah. That's pithy. Yeah, that is pithy. That's good. Here, I I, I took an old saying and... and (laughs) Played around with it. In fact, made fun of the little bromide here. Uh, Simple actions speak louder than bland natterings. Mm. As an introvert, a person who has been social distancing way before it was cool, uh, (laughs) I 
I don't like small talk. I don't like well, bland natterings, right? Yeah. And and so I avoid people. <laughs> bland natterings, large. a memoir by Joshua <laughs> Fields Milburn. I actually have this written down. <laughs> It's it's a line from Love People Use Things. Mm. So uh, about how I didn't feel compelled to fill the air with bland natterings. Yeah. And I think though what we do with that silence, we'll be talking a bit more about silence on the Maximal episode. Sometimes just because we're not speaking, we're still saying a lot, which brings us to your pithy answer. Oh man, I had such a hard time with this. So like, because uh, all I could think of was the actions speak louder than words and I could not get that out of my head. So um, I got three. I got three pithy answers. I'm ready. Here. One is um, actions talk, words bulk. Mm. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of like my take on the bromide. Um, I was talking to Mariah about it this morning. Here's what she helped me come up with: uh, the body speaks the truth, even when the mouth can't. Mm. I was like, oh, that's good. And then Melbourne helped help me come up with this one: everything we say involves everything we don't say. Mm. So podcast, Sean, you pick your favorite. Listeners, you pick your favorite, but I was, I could not get the action speak louder than words out of my head. And I just like kept coming at it. So, um, well, like so you- now you know my writing process when it comes to these, <laughs> <laughs> I go, I go to myself, I go to Mariah and I go to Josh. <laughs> you can all say gestures speak, words lie. Oh yeah. yeah. I should have got a hold of Vanessa. Yeah, just, te- <laughs> just text me, friend. Right. I would, I I, I'm all about pithy sayings <sighs> all day. Vanessa, <laughs> yeah, so we got so much more to talk about, but first, Alabama, what do you got for us? Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Hey there, this is Anna from Minnesota, and I have a tip for anyone getting married that doesn't need a bunch of household gifts. I'm currently planning my own wedding and was kind of dreading the registry process until I found out about a website called Honey Fund. This website allows couples to register for honeymoon expenses such as hotels, flights, and all the fun stuff like wine or beer tours or parasailing. You can customize it however you'd like and your loved ones can pay for parts of your honeymoon right on the site through PayPal account. It's a very easy process for both the couple and the guests and it's taken a lot of stress out of our own wedding planning process. Hey, Josh and Ryan. This is Helen from Old Town, Maine. I'm one of those people that absolutely hates putting something in the garbage that still has life in it just because no one has a need for it. Old, torn up clothes included. This month, I'm going to a developing country on a Christian medical mission trip. What I've been doing is I've been taking some old jeans that I no longer use with really tattered bottoms, cutting them capri length and using the denim to make hacky sacks. I then hem the capris so they don't look tattered. I'm planning to bring the hacky sacks down with me as a group game that will be a gift for some of the kiddos we help out. And I can wear the capris while I'm down there and then leave them for someone who needs them after I'm done using them. This way, perfectly good jeans are not ending up in a landfill. I'm getting rid of excess stuff. Someone gets a pair of capris and a whole bunch of kids that don't have money for or access to toys will get um, hacky sacks to play with. It's a win all around. All right, y'all. Big thanks to our guest today, Vanessa Van Edwards. Her new book, mm. I'm holding up if you're watching on YouTube. It's called Cues. Now, you can also check out her YouTube channel. We'll put a link to that in the show notes where she breaks down different social cues and communication cues with famous actors and actresses and different famous people. We'll put a link to her YouTube channel. Also, her website is called Science of People. Dot com. Ryan, real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Actually, something that just happened. You and I went to a Matt Carney concert <sighs> recently. It was so good, man. Uh, Ames Hotel. Is that what it's called? It's the Ace Hotel. Ace Hotel. Yeah, Ace Hotel. What a 
what a beautiful venue. Like, it was this weird balance of like, uh, I don't know, man, Venetian, but Art Deco. Like, it was it was cool. It was a beautiful venue and great concert. Have you ever stayed at an Ace Hotel before? No. They're, they're stunning. There's only maybe, I don't know, a dozen or two dozen of them. There's one out in Palm Springs. Mm. There's uh, one in Portland that we used to, there's a coffee shop yeah. in there. Stumptown that we would, down there. Yeah, we'd yeah. always hang out in. But Ace Hotel, they they curate this aesthetic that is beautiful, but also comfortable. It's not super stark, although it's relatively minimalist. Yeah. And the theater at the Ace Hotel downtown where we saw Matt Carney, what a great concert. And so the National Parks opened up for him. Oh, yeah. And what a beautiful surprise that was. Yeah. At first I saw the sign. I thought it said the National was opening, which <laughs> didn't make any sense. Like, wait a minute. Holy yeah. moly. But it was it was just as good. I mean, I really enjoyed the opener. I, I hate when I go to a concert now. Now, I'm learning something. I want to have a future conversation about this, about aging out of things. Because I think mm. I'm beginning to age out of concerts. Oh, I hate to admit getting older. But yeah, man, I, I'm with you. There's certain things I'm aging out on, too. What, what I'll tell you, Ryan, is that... It's not that I don't enjoy the concert. It's I don't enjoy all the pomp and circumstance around the concert. Before, remember when we lived in Dayton and we wanted to go to a concert in, say, Indianapolis? Oh, yeah. We'd plan a whole day around. Oh, yeah. Get up there early. Two-hour drive. Yeah, get, be the first in line. Get good seats. Yes, stand yeah. there. And it wasn't even good seats quite often. We were just standing close to the stage. Yep. And it's a whole 12-hour process from the drive there to the drive home yeah. and the standing in line and everything else. And now I just don't seem to have the same joy of the entire process. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll talk about that in the future episode because I want to talk about aging out of certain things, growing out of... I mean, we all do it. We, yeah. uh, we're kids. We grow out of our toys. Mm -hmm. We become pubescent. and But then... I think as adults, we begin to grow out of certain relationships or grow out of other things as well. So I want to talk about that. I want to encourage our listeners to go back. Uh, speaking of Matt Carney, we did a quarantine conversation, or I did a quarantine conversation with him. It was actually our last one of 2020. So in 2020, Ryan, during the whole quarantine thing, mm -hmm. we did 50, you and I, 50 different quarantine conversations where we yeah. called up different artists, friends, uh, musicians, different people, and we just had random conversations with them. Some of them were eight minutes long. Some of them, like the Matt Carney one, I think 45 minutes long. Mm. You can find all 50 of those over at patreon.com slash the minimalists for our added value this week, Ryan. Oh, by the way, Matt Carney on that quarantine conversation, that is where he announced the title for his album. Yeah. How cool was that? January flower. And we saw him on the January flower tour mm -hmm. and, uh, he that was the very first place where he talked about he's like I haven't told this anywhere I'm like do you want to announce it here he goes yeah I guess so <laughs> that's great so you can check that out patreon.com slash the minimalist we had a, a great conversation in fact I talked to him I said you were Drake before Drake because <laughs> he was singing also doing the spoken word stuff yeah he's like oh my god can I put that on a t-shirt <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, you own it. You were definitely Drake before Drake. Yeah. For added value this week, Ryan, speaking of Matt Carney, we were at the concert, and between every song, you kept yelling out, play Girl America. <laughs> Not every single <laughs> between songs, but most of them, yes. You kept throwing panties at him. Where did you get all the panties? <laughs> None of your business. I'm a minimalist. His first album is called Nothing Left to Lose, and one of our favorite songs, which he didn't play, although he played a bunch of amazing songs at that yeah, concert. Yeah. It's hard for him. It's got to be so so hard because he's got like five or six albums and every single one of those albums he could just play the whole album at a yeah. concert and you'd feel satisfied yeah but you were unsatisfied so i'm gonna satisfy you right now ryan <laughs> hey thanks here is girl america from matt carney from his first album which is called nothing left to lose by the way ryan we got a bunch more surprise questions this week like 
I have a terrible habit of interrupting others without meaning to. What can I do to break the habit? If we are forced to see Debbie Downers every day at work, how can we communicate with them without letting them bring us down? When there is conflict, I get so stressed that I just want to leave the room. How can I show confidence in these situations when walking away isn't an option? Plus, we got a million more questions for Vanessa and The Minimalist. You don't want to miss that. If you want to check it out, theminimalists.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash The Minimalist. You can check out our private podcast this week. Every Thursday, we do a private podcast for you. You'll subscribe. You get a personal link so that our weekly private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. You'll also gain immediate access to hundreds of hours of private archives, recordings of live events, exclusive home tours, and our private community of thousands of open-minded minimizers like you. You can follow The Minimalists on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Minimalists. If you want our podcast show notes in your inbox, thanks to our good friend, Podcast Sean. He curates all of them, all of those show notes. They'll show up right in your inbox. Just sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll enter your email address at the top. We'll never send you spam, junk, or advertisements, but we will send you our simple Sunday emails whenever we send those as well. On behalf of Ryan Nicodemus, Podcast Sean, Alabama, Jordan No More, Social Jess, Danny Unknown, P3, Emma the Immigrant, and the rest of our team. I'm Joshua Fields Milburn, reminding you to love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. My girl America is just the youth in this world. But smile is more precious than the sparkle of pearls. And though age reach, she's just a young girl. The age behind the eyes show the pain that she swirled.